The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello and welcome to the Provoke Podcast. I am Diana Marzalek. I'm a senior reporter with the um, with Provoke Media, and I have two guests with me here today. I have Lori Rose Benson, who is executive director and CEO of Hip Hop Public Health. And I have my friend and colleague, Helen Shelton, who is a senior partner at Finn Partners and heads the firm's diversity and inclusion efforts. So hello, both of you. I'm happy to have you here. Well, it's so nice to be here, uh, Diana. Thank you so much for having us. My pleasure. And um, Lori, maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about Hip Hop Public Health. Sure. Well, thank you, Diana. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, Hip Hop Public Health is a nonprofit that was created about 15 years ago um, by Dr. Olajide Williams at Columbia University Medical Center in New York City. And it's all about harnessing the transformative power of music, um, specifically hip hop music, but, but coupling hip hop with art and culture to really inspire health behavior change in young people and their families. And um, we're meeting um just by happenstance on a wonderful day. Happy, uh, what is it, Global Hand Washing Day? Or yeah. <laughs> Okay. When, and one of your initiatives um, that you two um, have put together um, is, is becoming a hallmark of, of Global Hand Washing Day. Um, Governor Andrew Cuomo tweeted it out today, and that is a video, right? That's you part of your major campaign that's using music to promote public health in this era of COVID, correct? Correct. So there is a, an incredible trilogy um, that, that the team at Hip Hop Public Health put together. It really started at the height of the pandemic um, in New York City back in April. Um, but it is about the simple, uh, easy things that you can do to keep yourself and family safe, um, like hand washing, like social distancing, and like wearing masks when you're not able to be socially distant. And, and hand washing itself, I mean, a free, easy um, public health measure that you can do that can literally reduce the risk of, of infections by 20%. So, you know, great that we can speak with you today, Diana, particularly on global hand washing today, but um, day today, but these are things that we can do every day to keep our, our loved ones and our communities safe during this incredibly turbulent time. Yet you're, that, those steps are relatively easy, but your challenge was delivering the message to various communities, correct? To some of the target communities that you work with. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And, and for a number of reasons. I mean, public health messaging in particular has, has always um, not done a great job, particularly when it comes to connecting with communities of color, um, particularly when having um, a trusted messenger and feeling that the information is correct and true. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there um, when it comes to the COVID pandemic in particular. And that's why it was so incredible to work with, with Helen Shelton um, at Finn PR because, you know, we're, we have a lot of boots on the ground and, and connections within the world of public health and education, but getting the message out to communities um, in every way possible was so important. And, and Helen, um, her vision of how we can do this in a very methodical, strategic way, um, 
through all the different mediums has really helped these messages go around the world and back. And so um, we're just so thrilled and grateful for this partnership because, you know, we've been around for 15 years, but we've never had the reach of, of our resources in such an extensive way until we, you know, teamed up with, with Helen and her team. And so Helen, what was the idea? I mean, you've enlisted some names and like, these are, are, are artists, hip hop artists, right? That people know. And the same with also Latino artists or Latina yes. artists. Or Latino so, artists. Um, in yeah. your Spanish language version of the video. Mm -hmm. So to Lori's point, they've, hip hop public health, uh, they've got a lot of boots on the ground to quote her. And one of their greatest assets is Dr. Elijah Day Williams, who is actually a leading neurologist, but he's sort of known as the hip hop doc because he's a big hip hop fan. And he somehow connected with the iconic rapper Dougie Fresh. And together they and Doug actually curated uh, all, all of the talent that you see in the trilogy of videos. And where Finn came in, we certainly helped in terms of, to Lori's point, you know, we really worked to try to figure out a way that we can make this message resonate. And we know that the celebrity angle really is important, but we also know that when you're trying to reach um, communities of color, particularly African-American and Hispanic communities, that we need trusted voices and trusted and respected uh, people who, um, who uh, have a lot of credibility and authenticity in the community. So we did things like paired with, you know, radio personalities or local TV personalities. Um, we help with people that are legendary in their own communities um, uh, in the private sector and certainly in different neighborhoods across the country. And we also worked very hard to target our efforts in communities that we knew were being hit hardest. Um, and in particular, like in Washington Heights, say in New York City or in Harlem or in parts of Houston. So it was very methodical and we really worked very hard to come up with a strategy that married this notion of celebrity um, with um, trusted voices. And we came up, we, it came up a winner, uh, you know, in terms of its efficacy. That's wonderful. And why are these communities not being reached in terms of public health messages? Is it that they're not relating to the voices that are delivering the messages or are the voices not delivering the messages to the people who should be receiving them? Um, do you want to... I'll, well, I'll I was start. just going to say, well, no, I was, and, you know, this is something <laughs> that we look at in terms of our, you know, in terms of FN, how we approach these challenges is, you know, it's, uh, and studies have shown that, you know, there are particular ways to reach these audiences because, you know, there are, there are messaging failures. And there was a, um, a journalist resource, uh, which is a journalist um, guide that we took a look at, and they expressly stated that, um, um, the, the public health messages around COVID were just not resonating with minority audiences. And this is something that obviously Lori and her team, they've known this for years, uh, not just obviously with COVID, but with other health um, issues facing communities of color. So we, know, we knew that it was a challenge and um, it's, it's, uh, it's documented. So it's not something that is, you know, we want to buzz about it. We just want to chat about the reality is that it's, it's an issue. And so we tried our best to try to cut through the clamor and, and cut through to a place where we could literally reach people where they are. And that was the, the crux of our strategy. And Laura, you've been doing this for 15 years, you said, right? I mean, or at least hip hop public health has been doing this for 15 years. So this is not a new issue, right? Um, right. Why has well, this is, this is, 
is this communication, is this reaching these communities with public health messages an issue? Well, this is precisely why Hip Hop Public Health was born. It was born out of a need for health equity, for having um, connections where there have been many misconnections. You know, what was really interesting, this all actually started in Harlem, New York City, when Dr. Williams was working at Harlem Hospital and seeing so many younger people, people between 20 and 50-year-olds, coming into the hospital, they had suffered a stroke, but they came in way too late. Like they didn't even know that they were suffering a stroke. And, and how did they not know this? How did they not understand the signs and symptoms? And so instead of uh, looking at all of the traditional messaging processes, he said, well, what if we can engage people through children? What if we can teach young people about the signs and symptoms of a stroke? and then really have them be the ambassadors through this child-mediated communication model to share that information with their families. And it was really, really quite spectacular. And also, well, why would young people wanna even learn about the signs and symptoms of the stroke, right? So thinking about the medium, thinking about the, not just the music of hip hop, but the culture. And really that it's, it's, it's about social justice, it's about community, it's about supporting one another. And so we embrace that in, in terms of developing any of the resources that we're creating when it comes, comes to connecting. Not to like get too wonky, but you know, we look at like a social ecological model of influence, and then we look at cultural adaptation frameworks to couple on top of that so that we can really use evidence-based practices with art and culture and music combined. And that's your specialty. What does this say about larger multicultural marketing, um, especially around public health issues? What is What are your learnings that our listeners who are communicators who are working on these issues can glean from your experience? Well, you know, I, the first thing, as I said, is it's really about authenticity. Um, and if something looks like it's inauthentic and it looks like it's just a bunch of people in a room trying to come up with something that they think is going to resonate, this audience is very savvy in terms of smelling out what's authentic and what's inauthentic. So, you know, anybody that is trying to engage um, audiences that are diverse, right? That may be of a, ethnically diverse or whatever definition of diversity you have. If you're doing any kind of target marketing, you really need to understand the psycho and demographics of that audience. And the beauty of working with hip hop public health is they, you know, wasn't that we needed to convince them that we needed to have culturally relevant, culturally tailored messages. You know, we just had to work together very hard to get our messages out there in a, in, in, and quickly, like, you know, we were dealing with the pandemic. It's almost like we were like the movie in the movie Twister. We're like, you know, chasing, we, you know, we're looking at the CDC tracker like every day to see, okay, where is this thing and where is it blowing up? So the reality is authenticity is where we have to start. Acknowledgement of the issue is the other place to start. It can't be something that we skirt over or just make a cute video with some rappers and call it, say that that's what, okay, we did our part. It's really, again, going into the community. So we did a significant amount of community mobilization work, um, you know, uh, as things sort of 
unfolded. Uh, there were opportunities for Dr. Williams, for Lori, for Doug and others, Dr. Jamie Noble, to get out there and speak virtually at town hall meetings, um, on social media, um, and partnering with, um, you know, recognized and trusted voices in media like BET, like The Source. Um, we also collaborated with the Universal Hip Hop Museum in the Bronx. Um, and so in this manner, we were able to really have this sort of three-pronged approach, which was, you know, community mobilization, the in-market outreach with media, and really working on a national level to identify those media partners and outlets that were able to deliver for us in terms of sheer audiences. We did not have an advertising or promotion budget. This was all based on the timeliness of the story, the content itself was so beautifully executed and we relied on our own relationships uh, in the sector. So we were able to get like Ricky Smiley, who was syndicated to over 70 markets and reaches one in four African-Americans every day on his radio show. We, he set the tone for us. We had Doug go on and he set the tone and it just kind of unfolded from there. Now is, is the, the after, after the consumers, after the um, audience consumes the videos and the messages. Is there any tracking of what happens next? I mean, do, do, do we know how these sort of initiatives actually spur action or are passed along? Um, Laura, you mentioned that sometimes that in, in some ways we're, we're, you're looking to reach the young people to send the message to the older people. I'm just wondering where, how this works in terms of actually mobilizing action. Sure. Well, for, you know, clearly there's the, the statistics that we will track in terms of reach and streams and downloads. But one of the things that's really interesting, because we allow all of our resources to be downloaded, once someone has it, you know, we, we don't know how often they use it. And so that's, you know, we want to take that barrier to access away so that they can just have it right in their hands. But I'll tell you, Diana, um, what's so incredible is that communities all over the world have been taking these resources and even making it even more their own. So for example, we just heard from an international school in India that took our Veinte Segundos Hermas, our Spanish hand-washing track, and redid the whole video with their students in Spanish in India. We also um, heard and received an uh, unbelievably beautiful video from a team of teachers from Texas and New Jersey that teamed up to take, uh, to take 20 seconds or more and redo the entire video for students that are deaf. And so all of the students in the video recreated it and performed using sign language and uh, captioning at the bottom, subtitles at the bottom of the video. So, you know, that's like cultural adaptation at its best, right? And so what we love to do is, is do our best to put the resources out there, but then we love, as we call it, remixing public health. We love for communities to take it and, and make it even more their own. And you have schools and school districts and systems all around the country and the world that are really embracing this and using it as, a, as an educational tool and as an empowerment tool. That's amazing. I mean, so the appetite for this content shows that there's, there's there, I don't wanna say there's a lack of it, or yours is, is, is certainly um, wetting those appetites, let's put it that way. But is it that historically and in this COVID time that organizations are not, public health organizations are ignoring these communities or not reaching them the right way? Um, 
little bit of both. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say to Helen's point before, it's really about cultural tailored communications. Mm -hmm. And we are very intentional about who our primary target audience. Of course, we want everybody to, to use and embrace these resources, but we are very specific about using hip hop and very specific about using particular cultural references and you know, icons and influencers to get these messages out in a very particular way. So it is intentional. And I think, um, yes, I think when there is a pandemic and when there are uh, lots of things that happen, have to happen in a very short amount of time, sometimes people feel like there's a one size fits all approach. Like, I think most people know that you need to wash your hands, right? You think, um, but um, the message, being able to tailor the message in a way where people can hear it, that people can receive it and internalize it and then ultimately change behavior is very different than just being exposed to something. And what role do the hip hop artists play beyond participating? Do they become, in the video, are they sort of ambassadors for the organization or for the message? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, so Dougie Fresh is is our founding artist along with Dr. Williams. He's been part of the team since, since day one and, and other artists that he's recruited over the years like Chuck D from Public Enemy and Daryl DMC McDaniels from, from Run DMC. Um, they are a part of our team. They're on our advisory board. They help co-create the resources, produce the resources. They are socially conscious. They are health conscious. They are not just uh, special guests. They are part of our team and, and feel really deeply about this work. And what's really exciting is as these health crises have become you know, nationwide and worldwide, other artists have been joining. And so they've been able to reach out to their networks to help spread the word and join in in these particular videos. But, but many of the artists, we've been working with them for, for years and care very deeply about not just um, you know, the current pandemic and also the health of, of communities you know, across the country. Great, and Helen, you've worked on other public health initiatives targeting communities of color, correct? Absolutely. So this is, you know, something that's just been a hallmark of, of my work in this in this in this industry um, is working to raise awareness of issues and also not just raising awareness for the sake of raising awareness, but to foster change. And if people don't know about something, how do you expect them to change their behavior? So, you know, we've done a major campaign around hypertension awareness. And again, music was very critical to that. So we worked with um, the Go Grammy award-winning gospel artist Yolanda Adams and did a whole health and wellness tour to, you know, over 30 mega churches and community centers across the country and you know got uh, complimentary um, blood pressure screenings for hundreds of thousands of people in the course of that many of them had to be taken to the hospital because they didn't know that they had high pressure we worked with the actress lynn whitfield on breast cancer awareness because as you may know and this is breast cancer awareness month it's the number one cause of death in terms of cancer for black women 
because very often they don't find out about it until it's too late. So we had to get the word out about mammography and, and self-exams and all of that sickle cell disease, which is another area. Uh, we work with Lorenz Tate and his brothers. Um, they've got a sickle cell foundation and we did a lot of work with them around the little known issue of iron overload and sickle cell disease. So it's important to, to, to take these people into your, add to your point, celebrities in and of themselves are great, but when they do take on the responsibility of using their platform to get the word out, and they can actually inspire change and change behavior. And just to add on to what Lori was saying about how do we track? Well, you know, if you look at the comments, even like with on YouTube or, or on social media, or even the social media platforms of some of the celebrities that were involved, you know, there's one kid on YouTube, he was like, who else is here? Because, you know, your teacher told you to come and check out this video. Like, you know, so they are, they're getting it, you know? So, so we don't necessarily track how many times people wash their hands after seeing the video, but we do know that the message is resonating and, you know, so there's that. And so that to me is really important. Absolutely. It's got to be a great feeling of success, not for just yourself, but for, for the message, right? For getting absolutely for, the, for seeing the, the change take place. And this is going to continue beyond COVID for both of you. This is like you said, there's a lot of public health issues that, that exist beyond COVID, in addition to COVID and um, the challenges of, of, of reaching of sharing those messages to the right communities. Well, eradicating health disparities, and I'm gonna let Lori answer this, but I just wanna commend her, Dr. Williams and the team, because if you really know about hip hop public health, you'll know that they are really all about helping to build health equity and eradicate health disparities. And that's something that obviously we at Finn are very um, conscious of and support 100%. So we threw every resource that we had against this initiative to work with Pipa Public Health. And I'm pleased to say that, you know, um, you know, hopefully we'll continue, we will continue to work with them because the philosophy and their approach is so in line with our own. Well, we're not letting you go, Helen. So we're <laughs> family. We're family. <laughs> <love fest>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. It's wonderful to see the work. I really appreciate the work that you two did together because it's uh, it's really inspiring. It's entertaining, and it's it's got the message. And I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you so much, Diana. We're just so pleased that you're you're sharing this great work, and and thank you for highlighting hip hop public yes. health collaboration with Helen. <clears throat> And, and actually, that I mentioned to Lori, you know, you covered the campaigns for us, and that was really helpful because you, you know, linked up the videos uh, to the coverage, and I'm sure we were able to get even more views because of that. So we really can't thank you enough, uh, Diana. So thank you very much for having us on today. We support, uh, you know, however we can. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.